Hello, and happy Pride Month. You're tuned in to KCSB-FM 91.9 in Santa Barbara. I'm Daniel Vasias, and you're listening to Pride of Place Santa Barbara, our limited series exploring the history and lived experiences of Santa Barbara's LGBTQ community. For the entirety of Pride Month, you have heard episodes every Thursday on KCSB-FM 91.9. Now, if you just so happen to miss an episode or two, all episodes are available on our streaming platforms. Just visit kcsb.org forward slash pride dash of dash place. That's kcsb.org forward slash pride dash of dash place. Stay tuned for episode four, Trans Identities. Pride as we understand it, undeniably, would not exist without the work of trans women, specifically black and trans women of color. With this understanding, I intended to identify the work that is being done here in Santa Barbara surrounding trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming identities, specifically on the university level. UC Santa Barbara's Resource Center for Sexuality and Gender Diversity serves UCSB's LGBTQIA student population ensuring students have the support they need to succeed. To better understand the RCSGD's work specific to trans, non-binary, and GNC identities, I spoke with Drew Buchanan, the RCSGD's trans and non-binary empowerment coordinator. We basically offer one-on-one support for any students that need it. That only goes to a certain extent, so we can't do like professional counseling or anything. One of uh, our largest functions is we refer people to other resources on campus and um, try to make sure that they get in contact with someone who's like attentive to gender struggles. Uh, So we basically get students coming to us looking for like, hey, you know, I'm looking to transition or I just figured something out. Like, what do I do? So that's one of one of our resources that's kind of just like me and our directors talking to students is just providing guidance. We have a lot of resource pages that we've compiled over the years. Our website has like a really big glossary. We have a trans resource page. Um, it has like general rundowns of definitions, um, a little bit of like an overview of what transness is, what options are that are out there. We have, uh, legal name and gender change help that we can do for people, um, whether they'll set up an appointment with our director and they will walk them through all the paperwork process, help them file. Mm -hmm. Um, we can also do advocacy like within the university system. Um, so if anyone's having trouble with their name or pronouns being respected by teachers or professors or staff, um, we have a name and, uh, pronoun advocacy form that people can fill out. And then we will send out an email to all of their professors saying their name, their pronouns, or whatever they want to be included in the email Mm -hmm. and, um, giving a rundown of like, this is what pronouns are and why they matter. And like, you should respect your students' pronouns. And it's kind of just a way for them to, uh, address that, make sure that they're being respected without having to sit down with their professor themselves and like explain it because it can be yeah. uh, quite a burden for that. We have a map of all the gender neutral restrooms on campus, which are slowly expanding. Mm-hmm. They're being updated. It was just updated a couple months ago, actually, because some new ones have been added. Mm-hmm. So um, 
if anyone's looking for a gender neutral restroom on campus, they can just go on our website and look it up. And there's a yeah. handy dandy map there. We have, um, a binder drive that's pretty much ongoing. Uh-huh. Um, next year we're going to be able to offer mini grants for trans students to get mm-hmm. gender affirming, um, items, care, whatever they need. Um, but we don't have that money this year, but what we have been doing is we have people donate their old binders. Um, when they get top surgery or when they just don't need them anymore. And then any student who reaches out to me or, or any of our staff really can get in contact with me and we can figure out like, Hey, if we have any donated binders that are already in your size, you get to have it for free. Um, it also gives me a chance to make sure that people are measuring correctly and make sure that they know how to safely bind and then they get a free binder. Um, we've don't have like all sizes available because it's a donation program. So we only have what's been donated. Um, but it's nice to be able to offer. We've been able to help like five students that way. Um, we can also order binders for people if they don't have a safe space to send it to like a safe mailing address, or if they can't like show it on their credit card, then we can order it for them and just like sort it out just so that people are getting things in a way that is safe for them and not outing them to anybody that would put them in an unsafe situation. Yeah. Um, but that's a, a lot of the resources that we have developed or that we have like right now yeah. were created out of like individuals coming up to us and asking like, Hey, I'm having this unique problem. I don't really know how to fix it. Is there anything you could do? And so we just like started making new resources. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the resources Drew mentioned, the RCSGD holds space for trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming students through weekly meetups. Throughout the quarter, the RCSGD offers trans empowerment hours and trans and GNC talks. Drew explains. So trans empowerment hours, we have weekly events, um, but they're two-hour blocks every week. They change days every quarter, but they're always usually from six to eight. Um, and it's just a little evening meeting. People get to drop by. Um, we usually have an activity of some sort. We've done movie night last mm-hmm. week. Um, this next week, we're having a summer kickoff party and potluck with like goodie bags and food and games. Um, we've done, we've had uh, workshops. We had a voice training. Um, we had a speech pathologist come by like last quarter and do a voice training workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, so people could like get a little free intro to what that would look like. It's also nice just to have a space that is like trans centered, but not necessarily like talking about transness the whole time. So people just, just get to come by and enjoy whatever we have going on, knowing that it's going to be a safe space and like, it's going to be trans centric. Um, it's, it's a closed space. So it is only trans non-binary and uh, questioning and gender non-conforming people, um, and so they just get to sit and enjoy and talk with people um, that have like similar backgrounds mm-hmm. and experiences. And uh, they're just fun. People tell me that they really, really look forward to them each week. Yeah. And we've had a huge engagement this year. We have like a regular attendance of like 10 to 20 people oh, that's awesome. at everyone. Yeah. So like they're, they've definitely popped off this year. Yeah. Um, in the past, we didn't have like that many people coming regularly but i think after the pandemic mm-hmm. people really wanted that in-person connection and yeah. so we've got a good little group of people that are all friends with each other and regularly attend so that's trans empowerment hours 
Um, our other weekly reoccurring event is Trans and GNC Talks, mm-hmm. um, which is, it used to be a smaller group. So I used to say it's like our smaller, more intimate group. Yeah. But um, we have a lot of people that regularly attend those now. So I can't say that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's our kind of, it's a discussion group. Mm-hmm. It's not an official support group because we are not licensed yeah. therapists. But um, it's co-facilitated by me and our interim program coordinator, Marco. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just get to have a, a space where people talk about whatever is going on with their lives. Yeah. Um, usually the topics are vaguely around transness mm-hmm. or gender or pronouns. Um, but I always say that like you're here, you're trans or non-binary. So anything you bring up is trans and non-binary related. So yeah. it's a... Uh, People just get to talk. We get we get some rants, we get some celebrations, um, and we get a lot of recommendations on coping mechanisms and how to yeah. deal with family. And uh, yeah, so those are our weekly spaces. Yeah. This past quarter, the RCSGD expanded their space to include an event outside of their weekly meetups through a trans-specific pool party. So um, that started because back in fall quarter, a couple students in trans and GNC talks um, mentioned that they wanted to like go swimming, but weren't comfortable just like doing it on their own or didn't have like the swimsuit that made them comfortable or anything like that. And so a couple of them like, oh, we could go together. And that idea kind of just lingered (laughs) for multiple quarters. Um, there was mention of putting together a trans swim team. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't think we have enough people to coordinate (laughs) that. Um, but they mentioned it again in winter quarter. And I was like, you know what I can do is I can try to do a trans only swim day mm-hmm. where we like get rent a pool out or something. Yeah. And so I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. I just thought it was, it would sound fun. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I'm just going to email the rec center and see what they can offer us. And so I emailed them and was like, Hey, can I meet with you to talk about like maybe doing a trans swim day and having like, um, like a safe space. Well, and a space where, um, students can come and swim with other trans people, not feel like they are being exposed or judged by all the other people there. And, and they reached back to me at Rick Van Horn from the, um, Rexen department, who's like a pool manager, um, he reached out to me, was like, I would love to meet with you. And so we got to do a little tour of the Rexen pools. I had never actually been there. So, um, it was really cool to see everything. And, um, we decided like, Hey, we could do a pool party. And, uh, it's something we'd love to do more in the future. Like we kind of wanted it to be a regular thing, but we figured we'll start with one and see how it goes. Yeah. Um, and so they let us have the, the little, the small pool, Hmm. um, and we had it reserved for like two hours or something on a Saturday afternoon. And, uh, we got to all gather there. There was 30 people that came. Oh, wow. Um, which is like, I just, (laughs) I don't even know how that many people showed up. I was really surprised. I was hoping for 20. I was yeah. like, 20 would be amazing. Um, but yeah, we had 30 people. Um, 
the rec center was very gracious to offer us some day passes for um, like alumni and anyone who wasn't an active student. Mm -hmm. But because everyone has access to the rec center and is an active student, they just like swiped their cards. And um, it was, yeah, it was, it was really lovely. There wasn't a ton that went into it because we kind of just like got to reserve the pool and then showed up. Um, the rec center made it really easy and we're so happy to work with them. I'm hoping they'll work with me again next year. (laughs) Well, it seems as if the reception was there. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy that that went, you know, swimmingly for lack of a better (laughs) phrase. Also, a lot of the people that came to that had never been to the rec center before. Yeah. Um, including me because, um, um, it's just scary. It's scary yeah. for a lot of trans people to like work out in public so that anyone who does work out usually would like do it from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was people who I talked to there who would like, I haven't been swimming in four years. Yeah. And this is like my first time in the water yeah. in years. And I was like, I'm so happy. Yeah. It was, it was really just so great to see like people in a space that they just hadn't had access to before. Yeah. And it, it says something a lot too, specifically, you know, regarding Santa Barbara as a geographical location, right? That there's all of this beauty uh, that's accessible to us and the ocean and everything. But I feel what people often forget is that, you know, who are those spaces safe for? And, and those spaces oftentimes feel very targeting for a lot of people. So the fact that you were able to, you know, produce an event so quickly and it was so well received and so many people engaged in it, I really am very happy to hear that. Drew continues to explain the significance of these expansions, offering perspective on trans experiences during the COVID-19 pandemic, when many trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming students returned to unsafe spaces with unsupportive family members. Oh boy. <laughs> the pandemic was like... It was a time of um, exploration for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So um, there was, but it was also very hard for a lot of people. So a lot of the um, trans and non-binary people that have been out beforehand or were out at school and then had to go home living with their parents who might not be supportive. Um, it was really tough for a lot of people. Um, I know my, I myself love my parents but I was home and I was kind of like, wow, I miss having like a queer space because I was stuck at home with two old, like straight cishead people. <laughs> um, it was definitely a different space, not mm-hmm. it, not as supportive as like being here with the RCSUD and living with like, I used to live in Rainbow House. So mm-hmm. having that queer space was no longer at, at my uh, at home. A lot of people really struggled with being suddenly thrust back into a space where they're very isolated and being online all day every day can can be exhausting after a certain point where like we had a lot of we had a drop in engagement with our trans and gnc talks with our trans empowerment hours because everything moved on online and after being on in a zoom classroom for like eight hours a day people weren't exactly eager to go on zoom and then talk to more people Um, so social engagement was down and a lot of people chose to just like be isolated rather than to seek out those online spaces and so community kind of dropped in that form but then also a lot of people came out during the pandemic Mm -hmm. um who had the extra time to think sit and think about gender (laughs) 
or sexuality, but mm-hmm. specifically gender and in, in, in what I deal with. Um, so we had a lot of people uh, come back this year who came out within the last two years um, or just figured things out. And uh, a lot of people were coming back and like, okay, well, I figured this thing out while I was home and isolated and now I like want to meet people. And so I think that's why we've had a lot of engagement this year. It's like a lot of, we had a a new group of people that were not even out or knew that they would belong to this community before. And so they were seeking resources and seeking community. And uh, we had a lot of people at the beginning of the the fall quarter that I helped like reach out to um, resources on campus to start their transition. And it's been so lovely being able to see them now. I was just talking to some of my coworkers the other day about students who first came in and like were pre-transition and had just figured out their identity and were like looking to explore and looking mm-hmm. for some guidance. And now they're like out and presenting the way they want to. And they've been on hormones for like six months and yeah. are just like maybe seeking out surgery at this point or just legally changed their name. And I got to like see all that happen. It was very yeah. cool. This series is airing during Pride Month, a moment in which many of us can outwardly express our identity without fear. However, that experience is not uniform to the entirety of the LGBTQIA community. Drew discusses visibility during Pride Month for trans people. I think it can be tricky to yeah. connect us directly. Um, a lot of trans people don't experience Pride in the same way that I would say like a lot of queer and gay people do in that like it's something that well I'm sure gay people have to fight for their rights in, in a lot of ways and, and fight for acceptance um transness is like it's a very embodied experience mm-hmm. um it comes with a lot of visibility I feel like a lot of queer people would be able to dress differently and look a sort of way and not be visually gay or queer. But for a lot of trans people, that is not an option. Visibility is kind of like an inherent constant that you have to accept at some point. And while there are people that um, have the privilege to be able to go stealth, eventually or there are people who choose not to transition physically for the to maintain some connection to um their birth like assigned gender at birth so that they can maybe maintain that passing privilege um visibility is like super tied to transness and being visibly trans is something a lot of people don't have a choice whether or not they want to do so like pride month while for some like queer people is a time to be visible and to like don your pride flags and walk out in the streets and like scream that you're gay. And I'm so happy that people can do that. Um, I don't know if all trans people really have that same connection to it um, in that like a lot of the times that can be putting you in a place of danger. Being visibly trans is not as celebrated as being visibly gay or queer. it is kind of isolates you as a target sometimes we're very lucky to live in a place that's fairly safe in comparison to other places in the united states or even internationally for trans people but that doesn't mean that 
you haven't been called a slur walking down the street or like that you're gonna feel fully comfortable wearing the clothes that you would like to wear um even working at the rc city i know people who are like i only wear the clothes i like to wear here and home and nowhere else on campus and i'm like that's fair because it's scary and so pride month in our spaces is great i love it i love to celebrate it um and with other trans people in spaces that i know are like private i guess but i think the the publicity of it and the public like walking down the street with a trans flag is something that not all people have access to it's not safe for everybody it's a lot less safe for trans women than it is for trans men and it's a lot less safe for people of color who are trans than it is for white people so it's like not as accessible as i think like kind of a constant pride would be or like a more internalized celebration of pride it doesn't mean we don't celebrate it and that we're not proud but it's just it's really difficult um also we're at a place where like gayness and queerness is a lot more celebrated than transness is and it's a lot um more accepted we kind of hit like you know we got gay marriage legalized and there's a lot of legal rights that have been granted to gay and queer people and we're still being attacked by the government there's bills right now being passed trying to take rights away from trans kids and trying to ban us from bathrooms and school sports and it's like i can't believe we're still even having these conversations but um yeah it's not exactly the perfect like energy for pride it's like there's there's a lot of stuff happening that still requires activism and so we're not ready to fully be like oh we're just happy to be us like we're still fighting and i feel like that's often ignored in queer and gay centered spaces because they've got their rights um which i'm happy about but there's still a lot of us that don't the LGBTQ plus community here on campus often work in tandem with staff and faculty, offering support to students through resource and curriculum. My name is Devanuj, Devanuj Gupta. I'm assistant professor in feminist studies with affiliation with Asian American studies at UC Santa Barbara. In the spring quarter of 2021, Professor Dasgupta taught UCSB's first ever transgender studies course. Professor Dasgupta continues to explain its significance. So, I mean, you know, first I want to acknowledge that, yes, that this is the first intro to transgender studies or a transgender studies seminar at an mm-hmm. undergrad as well as a graduate level yeah. um, at UC Santa Barbara. But I'm sure people have been teaching trans yeah. studies, you know, issues around, you know, in different classes, you know, in different ways. But this is one concentrated class where we understand, you know, the emergence of trans studies, you know, and, and trans as an epistemological project, mm-hmm. as a research method, like what is trans studies doing in the field, right? So, I mean, I think the process for, it's very exciting to offer a trans studies class, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, you have to also be aware that, you know, transgender studies as a field within feminist queer studies has emerged as its own field, Mm -hmm. right? So when you're thinking of a syllabus in trans studies, 
one has to think about two things. First, who might be taking trans studies, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, I have students who are, you know, trans, trans, gender queer, queer who are in the classroom, many of whom are probably looking for supple resources for survival, both academic as well as resources for survival, finding community. And then there are students who are taking it to learn more about, go deeper about gender and sexuality, mm -hmm. uh, might not necessarily identify as trans or queer, but coming from an understanding or wanting to explore trans and queer politics. Mm -hmm. So one has to design the syllabus and as an instructor, pedagogically be present for both kinds of needs in the classroom. Yeah. Um, and secondly, I, you know, while there has been an, a very active and I'm, I'm forging, beginning to explore relationships with the RCGST, right? The Resource Center for Sexuality and Gender Diversity. Mm. So, you know, so they're in the in sort of student life, you know, in the division of student life and student activities, I think students have gotten, you know, materials and a space um, to kind of do work around trans identities and exploring through that different texts and materials. Mm -hmm. But in, in the academic front, in the sort of the academic life department's sort of section of it, there hasn't been that connection yet, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what that means for the UCSB community, for the students, is that we are here to help make that connection between your identity process, your interests in policy, research, in trans and queer studies um, and issues, and providing an academic framework for holding mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So just thinking about trans studies as a methodological, as a theoretical project, but also as how to apply that in doing policy work. Yeah. How to apply that in if you want to explore jobs in service sector, like right, mm -hmm. in, in trans and queer service provisions. So we want to address those issues in the trans studies classroom and help connect the student life and the academic affairs component of it. In our final moments, Professor Dasgupta offers words of advice to LGBTQ students pursuing their interests in various departments here at the university. I think what students often face, the challenge, especially students of color, if you're coming from families, if you're a first generation student, where you're carrying the burden of having to think Will this be financially viable for me, this course, this, this major? What I want to say is that, you know, education is a journey. And while it is important to think of whether my degree will get me a job, it is important also to take time and space for yourself in yeah. terms of exploring yourself and your mind. But, you know, feminist studies, trans studies, queer studies is also a vibrant career. Yeah. So I'm going to make a plug for feminist studies major, minor, LGBTQ studies minor, and hopefully some days we can have a transgender studies major, minor. Yeah. Through the department. So come join us academically. Uh, that's all I wanted to say.
Thank you for listening to episode four of our limited series, Pride of Place Santa Barbara, Trans Identities. With one more episode to go wrapping up the series, look out for episode five in your podcast feed. For more information on this series and for archived episodes, visit kcsb.org forward slash pride dash of dash place. And for more information on UCSB's Resource Center for Sexuality and Gender Diversity, visit rcsgd.sa.ucsb.edu. Our theme music for this series is Constant Disco and Groovy by Diala. A special thanks to the voices featured on this episode, Jube Buchanan and Professor Dabanuj Dasgupta. And the biggest thanks to you for listening. I'm Daniel Wasias, and you have been listening to Pride of Place Santa Barbara right here on KCSB-FM 91.9. As always, take care and take pride.